Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leacher, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, we're talking about breastfeeding. Now, breastfeeding is a topic that I've been asked to cover loads and loads and loads. And I have to be honest, I have resisted because in my head, it's not really birth prep. It's kind of post-birth prep. But that doesn't mean it's not a worry. That doesn't mean it's not a fear because you are going to have to, you know, get a handle on breastfeeding immediately after birth. So it's, you know, it's natural that that this is something that you want more help with, more assistance with during pregnancy. So I have decided that I will provide more information with the post-birth period because those those issues, those challenges that come post-birth do cause a little bit of stress and a little bit of fear. In some people, a lot of fear during pregnancy and in the lead up to birth. So this is me listening to you. Now, I've also been asked for things like hypnomothering, where I'm getting a lot of my listeners who really want to listen to the podcast once they've had their baby, but they want some stuff to help them with the new baby. And so again, you know, I've wrestled with this because the podcast in my head, at least, is about preparing for birth. But that's not to say I'm not listening and I am listening. So what am I doing about it? Well, listen up, listen up. So I am going to provide you with information for the new mama phase, the fourth trimester as it's otherwise known, which is the first three months post-birth. And I'm going to be doing all that through my membership site, the Fearless Mama Ship. So within my membership site, I have a whole section on breastfeeding. We've got a resident expert who is a breastfeeding expert who is going to be providing drop-in clinics for you to seek help and support if you're struggling with anything in that post-birth period. But also I'm going to get experts in to talk about things like sleep, feeding, uh, just dealing with having a new baby. So if you are looking for more of the same in terms of the Fear Free Childbirth podcast, but for the new mother period, then that is what I'm doing for you inside the Fearless Mama ship. Now, because of the effort and the work involved in creating all this great content for you, that means I'm not going to be able to maintain the podcast to the same level. So over the summer, the podcast will be pulling back significantly and all the podcast content that will be coming out over the summer will be going out into the Fearless Mama ship first. And there is a bank of episodes waiting for you inside when you join because, uh, yes, there's so much content in there that's being created to help you during your birth preparation, but also to support you post-birth. So yeah, so I am listening, hypnomothering. I don't know if it's a thing, but I'm making it a thing. So uh, there's loads of stuff in the Fearless Mamaship to help you with mindset, to help you with, you know, getting rid of your fears, to help you to boost your birth confidence and really get into a good place for birth. But not only that, but to help you manage the emotional roller coaster once baby has arrived, because it's not, doesn't all start with the birth. It doesn't all end with the birth does it? It all, that's the beginning really. Birth is just the beginning when we think about it. So I want to support you in that transition from pregnancy right through into motherhood so you can start becoming a confident mother. So that is what the Fearless Mamaship is all about. So do come and join us. Um, there We are running also, one thing that's really brilliant that starts this month as well is the monthly head trash clear alongs. One thing that you'll be very familiar with listening to me on the podcast is the is my passion and my desire to help you work on that emotional stuff. And many of you will have discovered the head trash clearance method and tried it out to clear your fears. And lots of you are getting amazing results. And I just love reading all the comments I come across in Facebook groups. And and when you're emailing me to tell me how amazing the fear clearance method is working for you. But I also get a lot of questions from people saying, I think I'm stuck. I'm not sure I'm doing it right. Should I be doing it on this? And people just get stuck with it. So this is what the head trash clear along is all about. Every month in the Fearless Mamaship, we pick a clearance theme and we work on it together and I help you to unravel it, to unpack it, to dissect it, to really get to the nub of what's going on for you and helping you to work out what you need to clear 
for yourself so you can get the results that you need. And then I'm there to answer any questions that you need. So again, that's one of the other things that's provided as part of the Fearless Mothership to really help you to really get over those fears boost your confidence and manage that emotional roller coaster that is pregnancy, birth and motherhood. So yeah, just two things that are in the Fearless Mummership. So do come and join us. You can find out all the details at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash mummership. Anyway, back to today's episode, which is all about breastfeeding. Now today, I am speaking to Cindy. Now, Cindy is a lactation consultant in Canada and she also has uh, online courses to help you, to teach you about breastfeeding. And she's also provided a free download to accompany this week's episode. So if you want to find out all those details about what's coming with this week's episode, then you can find out all that at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 323, which is the number of this week's episode. That's forward slash three two three three hundred and twenty three so uh, you can find out all the links the links to her course she's got a free three-part video series that you can download to understand the beginning aspects of breastfeeding so there's loads of resources to go with this episode so um, hopefully you will find lots of things that will support you in your breastfeeding journey when you become a new mother so once again the link to get all the stuff to go with today's episode is fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 323 but what we're going to talk about today on the podcast are the five things that you need to know as a pregnant woman about breastfeeding just so that you can go into it with your eyes open and minimize the stress and the worry and the fear that you might experience in those first few days weeks with your new baby because sometimes just not understanding some of the true facts, some of the things that are normal, I say in inverted commas, can really, if you don't get what that is, when suddenly you're experiencing something, you might suddenly feel that you're doing it all wrong, that something's not right. And actually that might just be a very typical experience. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Some of the things that you can expect to experience as a new breastfeeding mother and what to do. Some of the, we're going to talk about baby positions as well and talk about the milk, the type of milk that comes out, when, what type of milk comes out, when, all that good stuff. So really to help you to understand a little bit more about breastfeeding. So it really is going to be a jam-packed episode if that is what you want to find out more about. So without further ado, here's the time that I spoke to Cindy about the five things that you need to know as a pregnant woman all about breastfeeding. I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello, Cindy, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, Cindy, we're going to be talking about breastfeeding today. But before we dive into all that, would you mind just sort of sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I'm a registered nurse and an international board certified lactation consultant from Canada. I'm actually in the central part of Canada. Uh, I'm a mom of three grown up children that I breastfed. They're anywhere from 19 to 27. Wow. And I have spent my career helping people get established with breastfeeding. Um, I work in a program that visits uh, mums and babies. Most of them have given birth in the hospital, so I visit them sort of one to three days after they've given birth. And really my biggest part of my role is helping them uh, get established with breastfeeding. And I just love the work that I do. It's a real privilege to be in people's homes kind of at one of the happiest times of their lives. Um, And increasingly my work, I've seen the same stumbling blocks, the same problems arise for families, the same things that really worry parents. Um, And, you know, women who, at least in Canada, many, many, like over 90% of women start breastfeeding, but the numbers fall off really quickly. And often just because people maybe misunderstood some things about breastfeeding or, or just didn't get the start that they wanted. So increasingly, my work is shifting to uh, helping people learn about breastfeeding before their little one arrives. So learning some of that key information that's going to help them get um, that start they need and really trust their body and um, their baby to do uh, what is natural. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that when, you know, I've had a lot of my listeners that requesting podcast episodes around 
breastfeeding. And I've had to wrestle with this a little bit in my head because I'm like, well, I'm helping people to prepare for the birth, not 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 the stuff that comes after the birth. So that opens up a whole new kettle of stuff in terms of content that I could be offering. And so I've, you know, I've, I've tried to draw a line to it. But, but actually, you know, what you're saying is it's really important to explore and understand some elements of breastfeeding while you're still pregnant so that you can prepare. So I'm really interested in how somebody who's pregnant can prepare for breastfeeding in advance. What might be, you know, where, where does a woman need to start in terms of getting ahead around that at that stage? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I just love even raising the awareness that you can prepare in breastfeeding is the best start, just bringing that to light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that there's some really key information that women should know about. They don't have to get a degree in breastfeeding. Um, They just need to know some key information about how babies act in those early days and about what's normal for breastfeeding. Okay, so what might be some of that? What what are some of the things that you think a woman, while she's pregnant, needs to start taking on board? Okay, so first of all, and this might seem a bit counterintuitive for a, a lactation consultant to say, but I think the most, or one of the most important things is that she needs to know that breastfeeding is not necessarily going to be easy right at the start, mm. but that it gets easier. We, we hear, I hear that criticism from moms a lot. Like, I wish that people would just say, that, you know, that it's going to be hard because people think they see the little movie where it just goes so perfectly and they assume that will be them. And, and of course, I'm not saying people have major problems, but they maybe don't understand that there's a bit of a learning curve, right? Mm. Um, and many women, you know, they've prepared a lot for the birth, but then really haven't prepared for breastfeeding. Mm. So just keeping in mind that you're, the mom is going to be learning and the baby's going to be learning. And knowing that, hey, it's going to take us some time to learn this can take away some of that fear and thought that I'm messing everything up. You know, there was a recent study done that I think is so instructive, and it said that 92% of women with a three-day-old baby say they have a breastfeeding problem. And I don't say that to scare people and to think that that means 92% of people aren't going to be able to breastfeed, but I think that feeling that you do have a problem, is it's important to know you're going to feel that there's going to be a problem. And most of those things that are just an easy fix or an understanding of the normal breastfeeding process. But I think if women understand that they're going to feel that way, they're going to be hopeful, right? Because I've seen a lot of babies and moms have problems initially and go on to breastfeed wonderfully. But the mom, it, that's maybe her first experience or second experience, and, and she doesn't necessarily know that it's going to get better. So yeah. I think that's a key thing to know. Yeah. And I, I think when I think back to my um, breastfeeding experiences, certainly those first few days were really tricky. Just like you say, you're both learning. And even with baby number two, my, my second one was tongue-tied. So I, I wasn't sure yes. at that point. I didn't even know that at that point until I was calling people in to say, why isn't this working? And they're like, oh, look. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, it really is a, a real learning and, you know, the position yeah. and which way, you know, all that stuff. So which I'm sure we're going to talk about. So I don't want to dive too much into that. But I think mm-hmm. the thing that kind of made it worse, particularly for me, was my gorging boobs which were just exploding and leaking everywhere and I was like drink drink this is so painful like come on already so it kind of added to the stress because actually you know boobs are exploding with milk it's really quite painful and you just want your baby to drink and feed and and, because that's what's going to help you and yet you're both struggling and it can kind of exacerbate the situation a little bit at least that's what my experience was so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's widespread well then another mother might hear that and think Mm. oh how come my boobs aren't exploding with milk this is (laughs) terrible and really maybe her supply and the baby are matching a little better or sometimes when women are quite large-breasted they don't get that overly fulfilling because there's a little bit more room for the milk to go so I think just knowing there's a wide variety of experiences too and trusting that her body is going to meet her baby's needs right okay so what what um I'm you know I'm curious as to how a mum can prepare in pregnancy for for this when she hasn't got a little baby to kind of practice holding and throwing around her boobs and and, and all that kind of stuff how, how does one prepare <laughs> And I think you prepare by knowledge. That's really the number one thing. And, you know, if you like, I can kind of go through five things that I think the knowledge of of having it, because you're absolutely right. You can't 
um, you don't need to have borrow your friend's baby and practice <laughs> breastfeeding, right? But I think the knowledge part is so important. So the number one thing, or the first thing is knowing it's going to get easier, knowing that it may feel a bit challenging. That's a, a wonderful thing to know. And then secondly, know that pain and painful nipples isn't normal. And there's so many horror stories about cracked, bleeding nipples, and it makes a lot of people wonder if they should breastfeed because they say, I'm not good with pain, and I've heard about this. But just knowing that that means something's not going right. Mm -hmm. And I suspect if your baby was tongue-tied that you mentioned, you probably went through some of that yourself. Yeah, definitely. Especially when, the, the, is it the letdown, that, that first bit of milk coming through that just feels like you just want to kick the floor, like, oh, <laughs> and, you, and then, it, then it passes, but... Um, yeah, I, you know, I did have those early days where they, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were painful because I kind of worked on a lot of my pain issues in preparation for my birth. So I wouldn't have called it pain, but certainly intense was a good description to use for those moments. <laughs> well, so I think that tender is mm, normal, yeah. but, but if you're having sensations that are making you curl your toes or hold your breath or bring your shoulders up to your ears something your body's giving you a signal that something's not quite right okay and um so i think just knowing that babies feed on the breast not on the nipple can help right mm. and if you take a minute to feel with the your tongue on the roof of your mouth feel for you know kind of run it back and there's a spot where the hard palate becomes soft and that's how far back you want your your nipple in baby's mouth is back mm. to that junction there. And so if the baby's only on the nipple, when they suck, they're going to be compressing your nipple against that hard surface. Whereas if baby's if on deep, you won't have that compressing pain. Okay. So studies have shown that people do have tender nipples in the early days. And that generally resolves by about a week to 10 days. So yeah. Yep, your nipples are going to, but they shouldn't have that toe curling pain because it just may be the baby not latching on correctly, or there could be something else going on, like a tongue tie, like you mentioned. So just women need to just know that seeking help if they have those really nipples that are getting really broken down and really uncomfortable. One thing that I recall was that that initial, when the, the first bit of milk came through, there was a kind of a bit of a, you know, a moment of, oh, oh, and that moment's passed. And then it would pass and it would be fine. And is that, is that not normal then, that kind of initial when the milk just comes through? Are you thinking about it on the nipple or sort of in within the breast? Oh, now you're asking me to think back now. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I think it was probably maybe around the nipple area. Because I think what you're referring to is this, the uh, feeling of letdown, yeah. which is when the little muscle cells around the milk ducts are squeezing and bringing milk forward to the baby. Yeah. Some people really feel that as painful. And I think that's what you're describing. Some people, yeah. it's like a pins and needles or uh, some people feel it more as a heavy sensation. And some people feel nothing at all. They all of a sudden their milk will drip. Right. So there's a wide variety of feeling that as well. Oh yeah, no, because I would definitely like I would notice that was in the shower when I'd sort of literally just be spouting milk out in the shower, and I could literally feel my body squeezing it out. So that's sounds like that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it sounds like you had a very abundant milk supply. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I'd wake up in puddles of milk in bed. Oh, you know, no, I've I seen know. many women that would be quite jealous of that. Yeah, I was, I was kind of uh, yeah, it was quite um, interesting. But um, yeah, I'm sure not. That's maybe not everyone's experience, but it was quite frustrating at times, let me tell you. But yes. okay, so that's the letdown experience. So, okay, so you talk about the five things. So I've, I've lost count where okay. we are now. We'll be at okay. number three. So, so breastfeeding uh, is, is not necessarily easy, but it's going to get easier. Then painful nipples aren't normal. And then I think it's important to know a little bit about positioning the baby at the breast and latching. And that can help to avoid those sore nipples that we talked about. I was trying to calculate how many hours mums with a newborn would sit breastfeeding. And it is at least eight, 10 hours a day if you total it up. Wow. So it's really important for the mum to be comfortable, not just the baby. And, you know, I really believe there's no one right position. We can talk about, you know, different positions with different names, but they're all things that 
human beings have created these titles for it. And the whole idea behind it is to make mom comfortable and baby to be comfortable and to get the milk. Mm. So everybody's body is shaped differently. Their nipples and their breasts are, are different size. And maybe uh, the bits that might be a little sore after the birth are different for different people. And so everybody might find a different position um, more comfortable. So I think just kind of knowing some things even to try mm. can, can be helpful. Mm. Is it worth just talking about some of those positions briefly? Because I remember the only one that's coming to my mind is the rugby ball position. <laughs> is that a position? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We, and here in Canada, we call it football. Oh, right. Okay. Right. But yes. Yeah, that is definitely one that can be quite helpful. And I guess if, if anybody, I should paint a picture, right? It's like holding a rugby ball under your arm or yeah. in Canada, a football. Yeah. And so the baby's head is by your breast and the feet are under your arm back towards the back of your chair. Mm-hmm. And that position takes the weight off if anybody's had a cesarean section. Um, that can be uh, more comfortable. Or women with large breasts seem to find that position quite comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess people with uh, twins would find that useful if they do tandem feeding. Would they have one on each uh, side? Yes, yes. I've seen people um, with twins have do one on each side in that rugby hold. Yeah. Or I've also seen people where one will feed kind of across her front and the other in the rugby position. Right. So there's can be a variety for twins as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So then then there's obviously the, the, the position that's around the front as well, which does right. sort of, there are quite a few. So talk about the, the front positions as well. Yeah. Then. So we call that the cross cradle. Um, you know, um, I guess a cradle position would be if you cradled baby's head in your arms and brought the baby to the breast um, when baby's laying kind of on your lap or, or chest to your chest. Mm. Um, we, for the early days when you're really trying to help baby get deeply latched and you need some assistance, we kind of do what we call the cross cradle. And that would be instead of cradling baby in the crook of your arm, you'd cradle the back of baby's head uh, with your fingers kind of on the bones behind the ears. Mm. So if I'm feeding on my right breast, I'm cradling the baby's head with my left hand. Yeah. And then you can hold your breast uh, with your right hand, your right breast with your right hand. And it just kind of gives you a little bit more control for baby. So th- those are positions. The, another one that is wonderful for anybody who maybe their bottom's a bit uncomfortable or they're just plain tired is nursing laying on your side. So your breast is just supported by the bed and your baby's laying facing you uh, on the bed. And that, when you're just learning those early days, sometimes you need a little helper, your partner or your mom or somebody to help bring the baby in close. But that can really be a nice restful position at any stage of breastfeeding. Mm. Especially for those night feeds, I would imagine. Absolutely. (laughs) But there's another one that is become increasingly uh, popular and I kind of really love, and it's called the laid back position. Have you have you encountered that at all? I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me. Tell me what the laid back position is. Okay, so think about the spot in your house where you're going to sit if you want to relax and watch a movie or read a book, and you're super. You probably get some cushions behind your back, and you lay. You kind of lay back into them. You know, maybe about 45 degrees, say. Um, So find that spot in your house. Get lots of pillows behind your back. And then getting baby, I I would actually, when you're learning, take your shirt totally off. Get baby just in a diaper. And baby just kind of goes on top of you like baby skydiving with the head near the breast. Mm. So then you don't have to use your arms to hold up baby and get the baby. You know, you don't have to support the baby because gravity is doing that for you. And then the wonderful thing is a baby is born with instincts to use their arms and their legs and search around for the nipple and actually latch themselves. Mm. And so I am a huge believer in that because I think about, you know, in nature, nobody lines up the new kitten and says, okay, we've got to do this cross cradle hold and let me help you find the nipple, right? They position themselves. And I do think this appeals to babies' innate instincts and many mums really love that because 
it helps them to trust their baby. I'm just wondering when you mentioned, I'm just trying to get the picture of that in my head. You mentioned skydiving. And so that immediately tells me that the baby's head down first. Is that right? Exactly. So, exactly. so, so their bottom is near your ear. Is that what uh, you mean okay. when you say head down first? They're literally okay. facing downward as you're sloping. Sorry, I'm. Uh, so what I mean is the baby. Uh, I'm thinking of free fall. <laughs> you know how the baby <laughs> would come. So they just come onto your okay. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They could be their legs dangling. Your yeah, dump yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Section or, or a little bit side. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. imagining like a baby diving through the air, okay. kind of head first. <laughs> okay, so they so yeah, they're basically just. It's like the breast crawl when they when they're born. I guess you just kind of plop them on, and then they just kind of find find food. Exactly. Right. Yes, it's exactly that. But it's important for women. Like I always thought, oh yeah, that's great. They can do that in the first hours after birth. But I didn't realize until a few years ago that they have that innate ability ongoing. Oh. And and people worry, can they breathe when they do that, right? Because they're face down and their nose is in the breast. But the baby will lift their nose to clear the breast. And it, it's really quite amazing. Now, having said that, I've, you know, there's been a couple of babies over the years that have really cried in that position and they didn't like it. And I'm thinking maybe they were sore from the birth. So if that one doesn't work, do another one, right? It's all about figuring out what's comfortable mm. for the mum and the baby. Mm. And what about um, breastfeeding in a sling or a carrier of some description? Would you recommend that? Is that, is that, is that an option for people? And it's certainly it's an ongoing option. I don't find that works real well when moms and babies are first learning in that first couple of weeks. That's, you know, pretty soon moms and babies can latch on anywhere at any time. And mom's not even going to have to pay attention to the position and the latch. But in the early days when they're, they're um, working to latch, I'm probably thinking, at least I haven't had a lot of experience with uh, using slings at that point in time. Because it's difficult for the mum to see exactly what's going on. Yeah, I'm like, I definitely struggled with that. So I kind of ditched it. It was a, a romantic vision I had of myself walking around breastfeeding with a sling going on and be able to get on with cooking and everything. But okay. that never quite panned out. So well, in case and you I'm- know, again, everybody's shape of their breasts is different, right? And, you know, some babies are stronger and uh, most babies, I would say, can hold on to the breast and, and nurse. Some other babies need a little more support to stay latched. So there can be a lot of factors. But I guess I want to, if I could take just a minute to talk about the latch too, right? We talked about before how the baby needs to be deep. Um, If you're using some of those positions where you're um, like the rugby position or across the front, um, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind when you're lining the baby up would be these. So if you think about if you're going to have a sip of water, you would never look over your shoulder to take a drink of water, right? Because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't work real well. So we want babies to be able to face straight ahead when they're breastfeeding because it's going to make it easier for them. So when you're lining up your baby in one of those positions, just think about having the baby, his the whole body facing your body, right? So I guess the ears and the shoulders and the hips would be in line and they'd be all just facing straight ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 okay. absolutely, yeah. The other thing about latch is think about if I gave you a big sandwich to eat and you wanted to take a huge bite, you'd probably lift your chin up just a little bit like you were sniffing. And we do that because it kind of brings our jaw forward and we can get a bigger bite. So when you're lining up the baby to latch, if your nipple's kind of tickling maybe the baby's upper lip and baby's tucked in close, then baby will lift the chin and will be able to get on deeper. And if that happens, baby's not going to, the nipple's not centered in baby's mouth, but it's what we call asymmetric. So there's going to be more of the tongue in contact underneath the nipple than on top. And baby will be better able to milk the breast in that position. It's all coming back to me now, Cindy. It's all coming back to me now as you mentioned things like that. (laughs) Tickling the roof of your mouth with the the nipple, the roof of their mouth with your nipple, sorry. 
getting it the wrong way around. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's certainly so it all coming back. And that makes so much sense, actually. Once you, One thing I did was look at some really cl- detailed pictures of the nipple and how, it, how the milk does come out. And once you kind of look at some of those diagrams, it really makes a lot more sense as well, I thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's some great little videos that show it that you kind of watch over and over. Oh, yeah, I can see now why the baby when they get deep. And I can give you some links to things like that if you'd like as that well. That would be brilliant. That'd be really great. Thank you. Now, um, one thing I want to talk about is, is the gorging bit, actually, mm-hmm. because there is there is a, a few days after birth where you might get suddenly a lot of milk. And, and I can't really remember a lot of the detail around that. Would you mind just talking mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Mm-hmm, for sure. And that typically happens what we call the third day after birth, or say about 72 hours. I realize pe- babies are born all different sort of times. But so in the early days, I guess I, some people will refer to it as the milk coming in, but I kind of hate that term because it makes people think they don't have milk in the early days. So women have milk. In those first few hours after birth, they have colostrum, which doesn't look like the milk maybe that's in your fridge, but it's a kind of a thick golden color. It's there in small quantities, but it's got a lot of um, antibodies and immune factors, and it's perfect for your baby's health. And so that over the next um, few days, starting around 72 hours or just before, women will start to feel their breasts becoming heavier. And they'll notice if they hand express a little bit, it's starting to be more white. Uh, It sort of looks like skim milk. And that is what is often referred to as the milk coming in. And when once it starts to, to, uh, the breasts start to get heavier with milk, some women will get very, very, very full, kind of depending on how much room there is for that expansion within your breast. Large-breasted women don't feel it to the same extent a smaller-breasted woman would. And they can become really very full with milk. Now, if your baby's nursing really frequently and keeping up, um, you know, women don't necessarily get that rock-hard, what we call engorgement. Engorgement is when it's really, you can hardly make a dent in the breast. Um, if the breast gets really engorged and even the areola, the brown around the nipple is so full of milk, it can be hard for baby to get a grip then. So we kind of want to avoid that by just feeding really frequently. Mm. So that was that was my experience, that mine would just fill up so quickly that I had to express before breastfeeding just to allow my baby to be able to grip on and then later give them the bottle because I just had way, it was just too much all the time and and yeah, it was a real prop that I really struggled with that and was really trying to find a way to make that work. And yeah, the way around it was just to express, to take the pressure off so that baby could get a grip, get a latch on, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't have to feed that milk back to the baby in a bottle, right? These mums could save it in stash for a date night or a time they are going to go out or many people just feel better to have a stash of breast milk in the freezer. So... I wouldn't say that happens for everybody, but there's definitely a segment of people that will have that overly fullness. Mm -hmm. And for most people experiencing that, for most people, I would say that three or four days, they might feel that overly fullness. But there are those women who have that really uh, almost too much milk, and that can go on for some time. Milk is produced in accordance to how much is removed from the breast. So let's say a mom is super overly full and she keeps pumping and pumping, you know, to try to uh, calm down the supply. It can have the opposite effect because the more that milk is removed, then the more her body makes milk. And so one thing I'd like to talk about as well is the difference in the, is it the hind milk and the, is it the fore milk? There's different yes. types of milk that come through. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because when I was reading about that again, that was very interesting. And I think it's useful for women to understand how the milk changes as you're breastfeeding. Yes, yes. So um, what is meant by the fore milk? The milk at the beginning of the feed is uh, not as high in fat as at the end of the feed. Um, and this is a bit of science that, oh, I don't know, it's over 20 years old that they discovered this. But I do recall reading that the original researchers are kind of dismayed a little bit in how we've 
popularized this and and uh, maybe have taken it out of context. So it's true. It's kind of like maybe if you turn on your hot water tap, you know, it's not, it's initially cold and it gets a little warmer, 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 warmer. And it takes a little time to get to hot. And I think the same with the fat in the milk, right? It's not a sort of a switch that'll flip at so many minutes of breastfeeding to become the high in milk, the higher in fat. So it kind of uh, gradually gets um, more and more fat towards the end of the feed. So, what one thing that I've seen in my practice is people not valuing the first milk, the four milk, and they really are so anxious for their baby to get to that higher, uh, higher fat milk that they'll maybe only breastfeed on one on one breast, despite their baby showing obvious cues and sometimes not even gaining because they really want their baby to get the hind milk. So. I would encourage women to think of it as all good milk. So it's a scientific fact, and that's kind of the way our bodies are designed. But to just look at it as all good milk and to watch their baby for cues as to when to switch breasts or if they need to switch breasts. Because for most women, they won't need to worry about that. Now, for you with your oversupply, I bet that may have been an issue, right? <laughs> because the those women who have that big oversupply, their babies often are gassier. And, and one of the thoughts is that babies, um, it's that formula that make babies so uncomfortable and so uh, fussy. Mm-hmm. And so them getting more hind milk can help with that. And did you find that you um, eventually went to just feeding on one breast? Did that work better for your babies? Um, no, no, I did sort of switch. I, I had an app that made, you know kept tracked it all. So I was, I was sort of switched all the time when I'd not switched all the time, but I'd do one feed on one breast and I'd go to the other breast for the other feed. Yeah. So okay, I wouldn't, yeah, 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 I wouldn't use, um, I would, yeah, I wouldn't kind of just stick to one side. No. That, right. That, but one, one side at a feeding. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 I would. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, sorry. And um, yeah, so that, that works fantastic for some women and other women are going to need to use both breasts at every right, feed. Right, so right, again, right. it's the mum looking at her body and figuring out what works for her mm. and her baby. Mm. I think when, when I, that's something I read over when I was going through all that, because you kind of consume so much stuff to try and understand things at that stage in your, you know, being a new mum, is that the first bit of milk comes through is, is much waterier. And it's almost like, you know, it's thirst quenching. It's like, you know, when you're really thirsty, you just want to have a glass of water before you start eating. And then, then you, once you've got your thirst, quite your thirst is quenched, as it were, then you move on to the more thicker stuff. And then you move on to the creamier pudding, which is a, it's like a dessert, isn't it? And I, that really kind of really talked to me, that kind of analogy, because it kind of made sense. Like, well, yeah, if you're thirsty, you need the watery stuff. And then you can mm-hmm. settle in for a good, a good meal with a nice, fatty, rich, creamy bit at the end. And that, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now, there was something else that I wanted to ask you, which was around the, um, oh, I can't remember. I had a thought in my head, a question. I've, it's gone, it's gone. What should I ask you next? Okay, so we've talked about three things that women should know, right? We talked about um, that breastfeeding is not easy at the start, but it's going to get easier, mm-hmm. that pain is not normal. We've talked about, you know, it's good to know some of those basics about position and latch. And then the fourth thing I really think people should know about is skin to skin with their babies at birth. And... I, what I think is beautiful is that this is what women want to do immediately after birth, right? Is to take their baby and enfold their baby and bring the baby to their chest and just hold their baby and inhale their scent. And surprisingly, <laughs> um, research is showing that what women want to do naturally is actually supported by research. And in fact, now the World Health Organization is recommending that babies go right onto mom's chest right after birth and stay there for at least an hour uninterrupted. And it has a lot of health benefits for both the mom and the baby. But one of the beautiful things is that it actually helps the baby learn to breastfeed. So there actually was a recent study that divided moms into two groups. One group had that baby come right to the chest uh, immediately after birth, and the other group the it was more traditional right the healthcare workers examined the baby and then wrapped the baby up and brought the baby to the mother in blankets and what they found is that the babies in the first group 
that were put skin to skin with their mothers, they learned to breastfeed more quickly. And I, I think it just makes so much sense, right, that we're interfering with nature by separating mums and babies. And they say that, that um, the smell of the amniotic fluid on the baby's hands helps them search for the nipple because the nipple and the areola have the same scent as the area as the amniotic fluid. Makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense. And so what is the, um, what's number five then? Number got, my, my questions come back to me, but I want to make sure we get to five. Okay, <laughs> so number five is I want women to know they are probably going to worry about their milk supply. And this is the most common reason that women stop breastfeeding or start to give formula when they didn't need to, no matter what the age of their baby. So remember I said before that there was that study that showed 92% of people on the third day think that they have a problem. Half of those people thought their problem was that they didn't have enough milk for their baby. And the reason this is so key is remember we talked about how in the early days you have small amounts but it's colostrum and it's the perfect food for the baby. So those women maybe were confused by their baby's behavior and the fact that their breasts were soft and they didn't realize that this is just nature taking course. So I just want to quickly go through some norms of the baby's feeding behavior in mm. just that first three days. Mm. So we get that baby skin to skin. Hopefully the baby does that breast crawl and they have a feed right in that first hour. But after that first time that the baby's quite alert after delivery, they go into a recovery sleep that lasts most of the next 24 hours. So they they'll wake to feed but you know often they're needing reminders to feed and it makes people think oh what a good baby I have right they're so content and calm and then at 24 hours when the baby hits that everything changes and this real sleepy content baby is now wanting to is ravenous and wanting to feed all the time and the breasts are soft so the mums automatically think I don't have enough for them. My breasts are empty. I don't have anything for my milk or any milk for my baby. But just knowing that that is nature's way of signaling the body to make more milk. And you do have milk, right? You've got that perfect food, that colostrum that's perfect for your baby's um, gut. And um, it's available in just the right amounts. And if you continue to just put that baby to the breast by around the third day, there's going to be that greater volume of milk and the baby's then going to continue to feed often, but not as often. And mums will feel more confident because they'll see that their breasts are filling and they'll hear baby swallowing at the breast. So I think it's really important to know you're going to doubt uh, your milk supply. And one way that was, uh, you know, one way that we are told, I guess, is, is how long we should be feeding and, you know, they're saying, oh, you feed for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes at a time. And I never, ever reached that amount. I, I would always stress <laughs> that that I, oh, my goodness, my little one's not eating enough. And 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 it took me a while to realize that actually I just had a load of milk and my body was chucking it out at high speed. And my daughters, both of them, drank at high speed. And so I didn't need to, I didn't need to spend the time that I thought I needed to breastfeed. Is Is there any... Am I talking utter rubbish or no, is, that, talking, is there a grain of truth in, in my, the way that I came to rationalise that it was all okay for me in the end? There's many grains of truth. There's a whole <laughs> uh, wheelbarrow full of truth in that. <laughs> that I think timing breastfeeding really trips people up because it sounds like your babies, gulp, gulp, gulp. You know, if you tried to give them 10 minutes per breast, they would be so unhappy because, you know, it's just... It, doesn't match your baby's behavior and you. Mm. Whereas another, like if we said, okay, somebody else, okay, 15 minutes per breast, well, maybe that baby's leisurely feeding and has hardly begun mm. when we're saying your time's up. Mm. So I really believe we should look at the baby to tell us how long to feed. And your baby will give you all kinds of cues as to when they've had enough milk. Mm. An exception to that might be in those very early days when babies are, are sleepy or maybe jaundiced and they need reminders to feed. But very quickly, I really encourage parents to trust their bodies and trust their babies. Mm. And I would, one way I try to figure out 
whether or not my, I was feeding long enough or, or adequately giving my baby what they needed was when I did express, then I would I tested it to see how much would it take me to express and then and have a feel of what that felt like and then see how what my breast felt like when baby had fed and, and just to get a sense of what that quantity looked like in a bottle and then I was like oh actually that's that's quite a sizable amount so I've just got a really <laughs> I'm you know there's clearly some let down there's um is there a flow that your breast will actually send milk out at a certain speed or is it all to do with the baby suckling or is it a bit of both I'm, I'm not really sure but I kind of got to the place that oh well maybe I'm you know because I would just squirt stuff in the shower where there's I, I could just hear my baby cry and milk would go mm -hmm. shooting out so um yeah I, I got to a place thinking well I'm just squirting out really quickly and baby's guzzling really quickly so put those two things together means I'm having having five minute feeds and and I was okay with that but um you know again I don't know whether I'm talking nonsense here saying all that stuff well and I'm really glad that that actually was empowering for you and really reassuring because for some women they think okay I'm going to pump my milk instead of breastfeeding for this feed and then I'll know how much baby's getting the trick is that pumps are not as efficient as babies at getting mm. out milk so it can be super discouraging to mums okay and some milk is produced between feeds mm. um, and is stored in the breast. And also milk is produced as baby nurses. Mm. So we, I'm really glad it worked well for you. And I can see for people with an, a very abundant supply, that could be really reassuring. But just to let other mums know, if you don't feel reassured by it, Pumping is not necessarily a good way to tell you how much oh, milk you have. Yeah, no, understand. Yeah, because you do produce as you're feeding. So that would exactly. create a bit of a mismatch, wouldn't it? So Yeah. And if you think about when a baby feeds, they, they compress your breast mm. as well as you suction, whereas a pumps typically work by suction. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's kind of a different mechanism. Okay, well, there's, uh, there's, yeah, there's a few angles that we've, we've been looking at. Is there anything that I've, I should ask you that I haven't yet, Cindy, that, that you think women who are pregnant need to know to prepare them for breastfeeding? Well, we kind of went through the five things that they should know. But I do want to focus for just probably what I think is the number one most important thing based on those mums that I've seen that they can do is really, really think about the visitors and what postpartum life is going to be like and make some plans around that time. The most common thing I hear from families is that they are exhausted by the parade of visitors into their home. They want to show off their baby and they want people to meet their baby, but they're also exhausted. Um, so we, you get all these well-wishers coming and they hold the baby and baby sleeps lots then in their arms and then guaranteed their baby's awake even more at night. Um, so I think just knowing that your baby's going to feed 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 times a day, and that's normal. So knowing you're going to be spending all this time feeding and it's going to be throughout the day and the night you're not going to get many breaks in between. So you want to be cautious about how many people come to visit in the early, probably the first couple of weeks. You need visitors who are going to come and say, oh, I'm going to make supper for you. I'm going to wash your kitchen floor. I'm going to do laundry for you. But you don't need company that you need to uh, make coffee for. I've even seen mothers with a three-day-old baby have to cook Christmas dinner for their wow. extended family. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really important to think through how tired you're going to be and really make a plan for how you're going to handle visitors. And um, is there any, um, you know, the, the whole sort of pumping milk as well. I mean, I, I wanted to do that because I wanted dad to have a go having those kind of lovely mm -hmm. intimate moments with baby. So, but mm -hmm. I, I was, and I was fortunate with my milk situation that that kind of worked really well. So that when I was kind of clearing the decks, as it were, that gave him a chance to have some of those lovely moments with baby as well. But how, you know, how should mums think about that aspect? And obviously, if you pump, then, you know, the, the lack of actual suckling on the breast, doesn't that affect milk production and maybe starts diminishing your supply if, if the body detects there is an actual an actual mouth on your breast and I'm just wondering how to handle the getting dad involved maybe doing some pumping if you do want to go out and do some shopping or something and let somebody else look after the baby how, how should they think about that and plan for that 
Well, I would really encourage families, well, first of all, I guess, have your partner um, involved in some of the learning you're doing about breastfeeding so they can really understand the value and the way breastfeeding works. I often hear from pregnant women that they want dad to give a bottle so that they can bond with baby. And yes, feeding a baby is a wonderful bonding thing. We know that about breastfeeding. Um, But there's so many other ways dads can bond other than giving the bottle. And there may be medical reasons or whatever for dad to give a bottle, and and that's a whole different topic. But I would really encourage people to think about what are the ways that, what are the things dads can do for babies that don't involve feeding? Uh, Because, like you said, less um, stimulation to the breast is going to affect milk supply. Uh, babies can kind of get hooked on that fast flow from the bottle and uh, maybe are looking for something long and hard in their mouth. Um, So bottles can interrupt the breastfeeding as well. Mm. So dads too, they can snuggle the baby's skin to skin. Dads can do the bath. That's a wonderful time to bond with a baby. I encourage uh, couples to think about um, the partner doing the burping, right? You've got this beautiful milk drunk satisfied baby and you know just taking that baby and doing the diaper change and burping is is a lovely time to interact with the baby uh, yeah you're making me laugh now because i'm immediately thinking well that's that's not entirely fair that all the milk comes up which has happened so many times at my <laughs> here you go and then suddenly they burp and it all comes up and dad's covered in milk or or yeah go and chase the nappy honey you go do that i'm gonna sit and watch Sally. <laughs> so yeah i think these are great ideas cindy i think you're gonna get a lot of fans from the mums here listening to that Certainly well me laugh. and i think one thing I like to talk about in in the prenatal classes that we teach is talking about that mom's going to be sitting in that chair breastfeeding for probably at least eight to 10 hours a day. So yes, I, I, I do get a lot of the dads giggling when I say, you know, change the diapers, but that is probably going to save the mom maybe an hour and a half a day mm-hmm. if he just takes that baby and changes. So think about that. Then the mom can run and get a snack she can have a bath, she could, or shower, she can get back to sleep a little quicker. So maybe we're not saying forever, <laughs> me, but maybe in those early days, that's a real key and a caring role that they can have. Now, I want to ask you about growth spurts, because mm-hmm. growth spurts caught me out every single time. And it took me a while, a few hours or days to go, oh, I'm in a growth spurt. So just to kind of prepare mums about growth spurts when is the first mm-hmm. first of all what is a growth spurt in case they're listening go what's she on about what's a growth mm-hmm. spurt with a baby well and maybe it would make more sense to use the term frequency days right because okay. i think that's what women see is that suddenly this baby who is feeding you know kind of every two or three hours maybe now is wanting to be on the breast every hour <laughs> and you know, I think it's just times of rapid growth where the baby's really hungry. Mm. Um, maybe they need to just build your milk supply up a little bit. And that frequent feeding gets baby through that hungry time. Baby's happier. Uh, so then babies, generally, it's about 24 hours a day, a day and a half. And then things go back to the way they were. Typically, it happens around 10 days to two weeks, somewhere in there, six weeks, two months. It can happen at any period. Yes, if you were having that and it was going on and on for days, you might want to check with a breastfeeding specialist and just make sure your baby's feeding well and that uh, baby's growing. Yeah, yeah. Because they shouldn't have to feed every hour all the time. No. I, when I got caught out, I was like, well, I just fed you. Like, why are you crying? And and so suddenly you're like, there's a problem. They've, there's something wrong with them. And, you know, it took me a while to kind of go, oh, it's a gross, but they're just hungry again. Mm. You know, kind of when you kind of go through those checks, is it nappy? Is it this? Is it, oh, is it well, I've just fed them, so it can't be that. Mm. Just changed the nappy, it can't be that. And then you kind of run out of things that it might be, and then you start panicking that it, it's there's a, there's a real problem. And then it's like, oh, no, they're just they're just hungry. It's a growth spurt. I just need to feed them again. And, and yeah, to kind of have a clear idea of your of growth spurts or being able to clock them quickly in your baby so that you miss so a you give your baby what you want but b you kind of adapt quickly because it can be easy to kind of fall into a little bit of a routine and think hey i've got this thing nailed i'm yes. i'm doing so well this is great i've got my routine and then bam suddenly there's a growth spurt and everything just falls out the window you know it's just a nightmare when that happens so again listening to your baby 
is so important, right? What's your baby telling you? Well, you checked out a few things. It wasn't that. Oh, you put them to the breast. They want that. Oh, okay. This is what my baby needs. I think that's so key. I I just visited a person two days ago who her baby was wanting to do that and she was using a soother and her baby's weight was really not doing well and it turned around super quickly when she just realized, oh, okay, just because I fed you doesn't mean you had enough. Take away the soother, put the baby to the breast and the baby did beautifully in just two days time. So I think that just listening to your baby is so important. Mm. And, and mums start to recognise different types of crying, don't they? That certain cries are, I'm hungry, certain cries are, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, I'm cold, or I'm bored of this place that you've put me in the lounge, give me a new view, you know. Um, that they're, they're, that's them communicating and to kind of tune in, like you say, to the baby and try and figure out what baby's trying to tell you so that you can get on better, if that's a way of putting it. If that's one thing that I would say brand new parents often feel so uncomfortable, just wondering do they understand their baby's cries? But, you know, when I see them, I point out to them the little adjustments that they're making, right? Like mom hears something and all of a sudden she's bouncing the baby in a different way or putting the baby against your skin or whatever. So I think people underestimate how right from the beginning they actually are making adjustments based on their baby. They just don't realize it and they don't really, they don't have the confidence yet. Yeah. I think that's key, though, what you said about the confidence and trusting yourself and being connected mm-hmm. to your baby. And, and I think as long as you're stressing, as long as you're fearful of not doing it right or am I doing it wrong or not feeling like you are, a, um, you know, being effective or, you know, just look, even maybe being perceived that you don't look like you know what you're doing. Like if you go to a, a mum meetup and you you might be struggling to get your baby to latch and suddenly you might be thinking, oh, they're all looking at me. Maybe they must be think that I'm rubbish at this or, you know, that kind of internal stuff that's going on mm-hmm. is going to get in the way of you connecting to your baby and just trusting that mm-hmm. you can do this and nature this is nature nature knows what to do just Mm -hmm. get out of the way and let nature do this and ultimately you're going to be okay yes and you brought up such a good point about the support Mm. right that other mother to mother support is so key because if you're in those sort of groups and you're honest about somebody else is going to say oh I was there too and you know if you just hang in there it's going to get better surround yourself with you know, sisters and aunts or friends that have breastfed and breastfed successfully, right? They're not there to tell you what to do. But when people have been through it, they can just be reassuring that it gets better. Mm. It always gets better, I think, as a new mum. It always feels so overwhelming at the beginning. And when there's so much that's so new, and then you kind of, you figure that bit out, and then you figure that bit out, and it just gets easier. Everything just gets a little bit easier. And then, or then you get then a huge spike in something like a growth spurt or you know kids changing developmental stage mm-hmm. that kind of throw you out but you know you do generally feel like you're getting more of it as you as you move through it so certainly that was my experience and I hope that other people listen to this feel hopeful with that that, that they, they're mm-hmm. going to be able to be okay with that too so is there anything else that we haven't talked about then Cindy about breastfeeding that you'd love to share with the pregnant mamas listening to the podcast oh there's so much I'd like to, right? It's just my passion. I, I guess just, again, encouraging women who are pregnant to start learning now. Bits about breastfeeding. There's wonderful books out there. Take a class. I just think it's going to pay off big time in your confidence level and just being able to trust your body. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast, Cindy, and sharing your wisdom, your expertise, your knowledge and experience and all that good stuff. Now, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you online? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a website with a colleague of mine. It's called cindyandjana.com. So C-I-N-D-Y. A-N-D-J-A-N-A dot com. And um, we write a lot about breastfeeding. We have links to our online classes there and to um, an app. You mentioned an app before. We do have a free app uh, to help people through that first month after childbirth. Um, and there's also a contact us. So if you have some questions, we'd be happy to answer it. Oh, fab. We, you could also search out 
Simply Breastfeeding Moms on Facebook. Um, and it's a closed group for breastfeeding moms. Just ask to join. We'd be happy to have you. And it's a way for pregnant moms to get support from other moms and ask questions. Um, and that's been a really wonderful support for people as well. Mm. Well, for anyone listening, I'm going to have the links to all that in the podcast show notes. So you can just dive over to fearfreechildbirth.com and find out more information that Cindy has shared about breastfeeding. Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Well, wasn't Cindy brilliant? Now, just to recap, Cindy has offered a free download to go with today's episode, which is basically a summary of the five things that you need to know as a pregnant woman about breastfeeding. So to get your download, you just need to go to the show notes for today's episode, which is at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 323. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I did say that the Fear Free Childbirth podcast will be pulling back slightly over the summer as I focus on the fearless mothership. But there will be tons of podcasts coming into the fearless mothership. So if you want to keep tabs, find a load of episodes to binge listen to, plus loads of other content, then come and join us aboard the fearless mothership. I hope to see you there. Bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.